I could testify to a lot of things. I want to just say thank you to you for being such an awesome congregation, a beautiful church of people who are willing to answer the call of God on your lives and do what he calls you to do, to take your part in the body, to make us whole. really happy about that. I want to share a few thoughts with you. I want you to know why I'm standing over here. Many of you have been around long enough know that I preach from the pulpit, but I'm not preaching this morning. I'm sharing some ideas. There is a difference between us, whoever standing, stands behind that pulpit, uh, trying to exegete the Word of God and speak on behalf of God, and me standing over here trying to lay out sort of a vision, which we believe is from God and hope is from God, Trust is from God, but if it's not, then it'll come to what it ought to be, nothing. Um, I, don't, I don't bring these words with the same authority as any preacher would bring words from the Bible. So that's why I stand over here. That pulpit, that uh, big old pulpit, mean, means something to me, and I hope that it means something to you. When people stand behind it, uh, they're preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of you are time conscious. I know you're already looking at your watches and you're saying, my gracious sakes alive. You know, the roast is going to be overcooked downstairs and the meatballs are going to be cold. Let me put you at ease here and just say we're going to switch things up a little bit. I want to speak for a little bit and I don't want to be hurried in what I'm saying. And I don't think you want me to be hurried in what I'm saying because it won't make any sense. Uh, and after that, we're going to sing. One last song, and after that, we're going to go downstairs, and we're going to have a meal. And then we'll figure out communion after that, okay? So that will be the order of things. Today is that day, our annual celebration, where as a body, we look back, and we give God glory for what he's done, and we look forward with excitement to a new year. If you picked up a copy of the ministry plan that's been available for the last several weeks, and you will know in this new year, we have three major points of ministry emphasis. And those are biblical counseling, and evangelism, and facility improvements. Before I talk specifically about any of these particular emphases, I want to say something generally about them, okay? It is that these goals that we have are not ends in themselves. They are means to an end. They are means to our being faithful in hearing from Jesus and following him. For instance, our goal to have a biblical counseling center is not simply to have a biblical counseling center. It is to get the word of God spread out into this community. It is to bring it to bear into the difficult situations that people find themselves. The greater goal is to speak the truth in love, which is what God calls us to do. Our goal in evangelism is not simply to say that, hey, I went out and I talked to three or four people about Jesus. Our goal in evangelism is to see people get saved. It is to see people have an encounter with the living Lord. It is about conversions is what it's about. Sharing. Why? Because Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples. And our goal in facility improvements isn't just to have a nice spick and span place that's all up to date. It's to be as hospitable as we possibly can. It is to make people come into this place and feel comfortable and to get rid of any barriers or distractions or detractions from worship that we might find. And so we want to be good stewards of the things the Lord has given us. 
So our goals are really fashioned by revelations of God that he shared with us already. These are the things that we should be doing, and specifically these three we think fit right into the scriptural imperatives that we have. So let me talk about biblical counseling for a second. We've been talking about this for quite a while. It is an answer to prayers that we have prayed, and we have prayed these prayers for years. As a body, we're always wanting to know, what is the Lord calling us to? What does He want us to be? How does He want us to serve Him? And so we have been praying and praying. We have sought God's will to know how to love this city. And of course, how to love the people in this city, in this county, wherever our influence could extend. And there are so many good things to do, and we've tried many over the years. There's so many good things that we could do. It's not always clear what's the best thing or why, why, what has God called this particular compilation of his people to engage in at this particular time. Well, we've come up with this idea of providing biblical counseling, and, it's, and specifically we want to have a biblical counseling center. Proverbs 15.4 says, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Most of you know that good counsel brings healing, but bad counsel perpetuates problems. Probably you have been the recipient of good counsel and bad counsel, and you know the difference. But the counsel that brings healing is the counsel that comes from God's Word. It comes straight from God's Word into our hearts. God's Word will not return void. It changes us. That's what biblical counseling is about, bringing the truth of God to people so that they can see it. Some for the first time, maybe some for the tenth or a hundredth times. Biblical counseling is interesting because at one point it is discipleship. You can understand it as discipling. We're just trying to help people see, look, this is what the Word says. How, how does your life line up with that? And what needs to change and shift a little bit in order for you to come into conformity with what God says is right and true and best. So that's discipleship for the believer, but biblical counseling is also evangelism. Because there are people who will come to our counseling center who do not know the Lord. And you may think, well, it's ridiculous that anybody could live in America in 2020 and really not know Jesus or not know the Bible. But I want to remind you, we live today in what is considered the first post-Christian generation in our country. There are a lot of people who are coming who don't know the Lord. There are a lot of people who are struggling who don't know what His Word says, things that you and I might take for granted. So biblical counseling is discipleship and biblical counseling is evangelism and we have spent this past year looking at how we could provide biblical counseling earlier in the year uh, Justin did some work researching models and how other people do it I've picked up where he left off as you might expect there's a lot of people doing biblical counseling across the country not so many in Maine or New England really uh, and a lot of people do it differently but we have sort of come to what we believe is the right model for us. And it's always a work in progress, and you know that. But essentially, our approach to biblical counseling is going to take place on three levels. And the first is going to be member-to-member -member counseling. The Bible doesn't just tell us that it's okay to speak into each other's lives. It commands us to. So in America, you need permission. But the Bible just says, no, go ahead and do it. Now, don't be rude, of course. Don't be obnoxious. 
But as, as members of one another, we are told to speak into each other's lives. And the truth is, a lot of times we don't feel competent to do that. I don't, I don't know enough. I'm not well-versed in Scripture. I'm not sure about my approach. Anything like that. Well, we want to help you, church members, to become good at counseling one another. A lot of, a lot of the best counsel we receive is going to be face-to-face -face with a friend, somebody from your small group, somebody from your Bible study. And we want to help you to be good at that and to understand how you can be good at that. And it's not as daunting or as intimidating as it seems. Now, toward that end, we're going to be offering a, a, a class coming up real quick. And uh, Pastor Mike is going to teach that class. Come out here, Mike, so everybody gets a good look at you. Yeah, that's Mike. Is it called Introduction to Biblical Counseling? Equipped to Counsel. Equipped to Thank you. And it's based out of our right now digital library. And if you're interested, and some of you are, because we dipped our toes in this pool last year when we did Ed Welch's Caring for One Another, and some of you signed up, said, I would be interested in knowing better how to counsel. So we already have your, your name, but if you're interested at all in learning how to be a, a mentor or a counselor to your brothers and sisters, then please see Mike. We'll have a sign-up for that class out in the Welcome Center and we will figure out when we're going to host it, depending on what the class composition is. We'll figure out the best day, time, and approach. But if you have a sense that God is calling you to this, then please, by all means, avail yourself of this class. This is the very beginning. But I do want to say this, and I know I'm going to scare some of you. But some of you who, who learn better how to counsel one another, I see you eventually taking part in the counseling that happens in the counseling center. We're not existing to, to, uh, to give just professional advice. We want to be Christians accessible and available to people who need counsel. And you're more qualified to do that than you think. And we're going to help you to be even more qualified if you're interested, okay? So that's member-to-member counsel. The second level or tier of our counseling approach is going to be pastoral counseling. In other words, we're not putting together a biblical counseling center so that the pastor or the elders don't have to do this anymore. This is not uh, shifting work to anybody. Some things are better said to a pastor. That's just the way it is. Some things should be shared with a pastor that maybe you're not comfortable sharing with a member. And we intend to continue to offer pastoral counseling all through this. So don't worry. Your elders are always accessible and available to you. And, and if you come to one of us with a problem, we're not going to say, well, let's try to fit you in on Tuesday with a, with a real counselor. Jay Adams, years ago, wrote a book called Competent to Counsel, and he sort of chastised pastors and the church for giving over to the secular world the, the idea that counsel could only come from them. Counsel should come from us. We are equipped by the Word of God, and, and so we are competent to counsel. So that's pastoral counseling, and the third tier is credentialed counseling. Credentialed counseling will take place and be given by licensed professional counselors who are Christians and who have a biblical orientation. And um, we have three counselors right now that are prepared, who are licensed and are prepared to begin doing this. In your bulletin this morning, you will see that there's uh, uh, an excerpt down in the announcement section that shows you how to access a counseling service. If you feel like you would like or benefit from biblical counseling, 
You can send an email, and we'll start this process right now. The Bible in, in Galatians 6 says that we should do good to all, but especially to the household of faith. So one thing that we want to do is make sure that what we're doing benefits you as well. So if you need or would like or benefit from some biblical counseling, we're prepared now to start doing this on a part-time basis with some credentialed counselors. So please, um, send us an email and we'll set you up an appointment. It would be nice if we could start slowly like this with our members at United Baptist. Uh, it would be nice to get your feedback from your experience, not the, not the details of your sessions, but just simply the experience. So if you think of starting something new, there's going to be wrinkles, there's going to be problems, there's going to be struggles. Much safer to mess up with the people that love us than, than it is to just throw it out there and, and have it go to pieces. I don't think it will, but it would be great if some of you who avail yourself of that service would provide us with a little bit of feedback. So those are the three tiers of biblical counseling that you can uh, expect us to participate in in the coming year. Uh, we are getting this off the ground and we are excited about it. At some point, we do believe that our tenants next door are going to uh, move out and we're going to go in and renovate that space on 42 Pine to make it more of a counseling center across that first floor. Um, but for right now, they, there's a ministry going on over there that we support and we're not in a hurry to move anybody along. Someday our counseling center will be across the parking lot. Even now, though, we have renovated a room downstairs that is prepared and set up for biblical counseling. Many of you have helped with that, and I appreciate that. Suzanne Mace and my wife did a great job picking out colors and finding furniture that scales to the room and things that I would never think about. Decorations. Uh, Mike has been willing to put together things that come in the mail that says some assembly required. Uh, we have painted. We have put some new heat in there. Uh, uh, Kathy, I think, and made some curtains and uh, or shortened some curtains. I don't know. Do you make them? You didn't make them. We bought them. You, sh you fixed them. No, I know you can. <laughs> anyway, when you start naming names, you're like, I'm going to forget somebody for sure. So let's just say anybody who's helped renovate that space, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. We're ready to get going with that. Okay. Now, this is the United Baptist Church Biblical Counseling Center. That does not fit on a T-shirt. <laughs> I, I don't know what the logo would look like. Uh, that's too many words, it's too big, it's too cumbersome. What I'm saying is we don't have a name for this counseling center. So if you have a sense of a name, I would really entertain your suggestions so that we can come up with something that's going to glorify God, talk about what we're up to, and not take up two pages. Okay? So that's enough on biblical counseling. Chris is going to offer a prayer this morning for the biblical counseling initiative. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we bow before you this morning, <clears throat> seeking your blessing on our biblical counseling ministry. You alone are the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the one who deserves our honor and glory forever, and you alone are wise. And we need your wisdom. Forgive us when we do not ask it. Your word tells us you will give us wisdom if we do ask. We know that we are broken and without exception need your counsel. We confess that we are selfish and arrogant and wise in our own eyes. 
Lord, just give us a great vision of you and, and your love for us, your desire to be intimately involved in our lives. You are our creator and our sustainer. You are our sovereign. The earth and all that is in it are yours. And we are enmeshed in and dependent upon your forethought and wisdom for us. You are our savior. In your grace and mercy, you gave us Jesus, who through his atoning work on the cross for us is our redemption and righteousness. He is your wisdom to us. You revealed yourself to us in him, and he who walked this human path as we do. When we see him, we see you and know you understand our suffering and our grief. You are our life giver and only hope for eternal life through the power of Christ's resurrection. And you are our loving Heavenly Father. You, we can come to you as children. You are our guide and protector and you've given us your spirit so we, you are everywhere and always present with us. Whether it be a place of joy or of sorrow, of plenty or of need, of health or of sickness, you are there. We can't flee from you. You know all our ways. You go before us and behind us. And you are our good shepherd who leads us beside the still waters into green pastures. You protect and restore our souls. All our searches for understanding and purpose and truth lead to you. And you have given us your holy word which teaches and corrects us and directs us how to be blessed in our lives. When we don't depend upon our our own understanding, but acknowledge you, you will set our paths straight. We are grateful and praise your name for all that you are and want to be to us. And yet all this knowledge is wonderful, but far above our full understanding. We have trouble grasping it. Knowing all that, we confess that we don't seek you as we should. We are independent and rebellious and lack understanding of your purposes for us. Why do we desire our own way, even when it's contrary to what you want for us? And why do we trust the wisdom of the world, which is but foolishness to you? Lord, forgive us our unbelief, our lack of trust. May we run to you every day in every need. Even darkness is not dark in your presence where truth lights the way. Thank you for those who preach to us and exhort, rebuke, teach, and mentor us with sound doctrine. And thank you for those friends who have wise words for us godly friends, as we pass through confusing times of hurts and abuse and anger and grief and sorrow, hardship, temptations and testings. And thank you for those who have special expertise for helping us. Lord, we're grateful and excited for this opportunity of godly counsel in this community. We pray for those who will seek that counsel, that they will come with hearts and tend to learn, to understand, to make changes of mind and behavior that will bring them into a new or greater relationship with you and will bring greater meaning to their lives. We pray for your power to encourage and lift spirits, to bring clarity of thought, to save marriages, to bring healing to hearts, and to build a stronger and wider community of faith because of this ministry. We pray for those who offer counsel. May they be your true servants who will have the ability and knowledge to minister to those you bring through their door. We pray that they will enter each day, each session prayed up and looking for your insight and help to assist those with whom they talk. Give them discernment, perceptiveness, clarity, and sound advice based on the truths of your word. You are our answer to life's conundrums, so may we knock at your gate and seek your heart. May every aspect of our biblical counseling ministry honor you, whether it is friendship, pastoral, or professional in nature. You alone are wise 
and deserve all honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The second point of emphasis in 2020 is evangelism. I don't know of a word that causes more people to pucker in their seats uh, that is greater or more scary than the idea of evangelism. It brings on all sorts of emotions, doesn't it? It's sort of like there's guilt, oh, I know what I ought to be doing and I'm not doing it, and there's feelings of inadequacy, well, I'd like to do this, but I don't think I know how to do it, and then there's certainly feelings of, of reality. Who am I to talk about this, this lifestyle that I have trouble keeping, or who am I? Uh, to speak into this person's life. So I understand that it's a little daunting, but that's not going to slow us down or stop us from seeking to be an evangelistic people. Um, Francis Chan, in a recent, and his last, at least for a while, message to the students at Azusa Pacific University, told the crowd, we're going to Asia is explaining that he and his family are moving to Asia. He said, we're going to Asia to be fishers of men. We're going to Asia to evangelize. Now, where did he get that idea of being fishers of men? Where did he get that imagery? We know it came straight from Jesus, who when he was calling his own disciples, said to Peter and Andrew, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. If you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, it's always been God's plan that disciples would make disciples. Francis Chan has just finished up a trip to Myanmar, and he could not believe the receptivity of the people there to the gospel. He couldn't believe how many people wanted to hear from him about the gospel. And so his message to Azusa Pacific is the fisher biting over in Myanmar. And I'm going. And you might look around here in Ellsworth, Maine, or you might look at Maine or New England and think, well, it's nice that the fish are biting somewhere because they're not really biting here. And you look around and you realize that Maine vacillates between, you know, 47th, 48th, 49th, 50th, least religious state out of all the states that New England is known these days in some ways as a spiritual cemetery and you think, well, nothing's happening here. People aren't interested in the gospel. I guess my question to you would be, how do you really know that? How do you really know? Is it futile to share Jesus? When I was a kid, while well, I was in high school, one of my neighbors was an avid fisherman. And he gave me a hot tip on a place to fish. And he even let me borrow his canoe to go to this place. So I loaded the canoe up, and I took it to this place, and I followed his directions. Well, at least I thought I followed his directions. And I launched the canoe, and I was paddling around in this little pond, and I was trolling my fishing pole, and I noticed the ground seems amazingly consistent in the depth and whatnot, but I, I really wasn't paying much attention. And then all of a sudden, I looked up, and I realized I'm fishing in a gravel pit. <laughs> I hope nobody saw me. <laughs> People would think sometimes that sharing the gospel in Maine is just about as futile as silly as fishing in a gravel pit. But again, how do you know? How do you know 
Have you been fishing? Have you been fishing? Tim Sample used to tell a story, I think it was Tim Sample, main humorist, about a, about a fellow who went on a fishing trip with his buddies. And about midweek, he called home just to check in with his wife. And she said, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. How's the fishing? Oh, the fishing's good. It's a little slow. But it's good. And they talked a little bit longer. And then he said, honey, I got a question for you. Everything's fine, but I can't seem to... I can't seem to find my pajamas. She said, all right, I packed them in your tackle box. <laughs> have, you, have you been fishing? One who hasn't been fishing ought not comment on the status of the fishing, right? Our hope this year is to be fishers of men. Frankly, this isn't something that I'm very good at. It's really easy to stand behind a pulpit. It's a lot different to share one-on-one, -on -one, sort of street-level kind of thing. So this is something that I have to get better at is evangelism. And I'm asking you if you might be willing to get better at it with me. I cannot put any desire in your heart to do this. I understand why we sometimes can be complacent. But I want to remind you that Jesus didn't save you just for you. He loves you. And he's happy to have you, but you've been given a gift. You are now what the scripture calls an ambassador. So it's your job now to carry that out, to carry that into your family and into your workplace and into your neighborhood and into your circle of influence and friends and wherever else you intend to go because that's God's plan. It's always been God's plan for the growth of his kingdom. That is how the kingdom grows. It may be a little daunting to think about, oh, I have to get good at evangelism. I think it is, but if, if you feel that way, let me read a couple of words from D.A. Carson. He says, our faith in Jesus thrusts us into a struggle in which the decisive battle has already been won. In which the promised eschatological blessings, you can tell he's a theologian, he uses big words. Promised eschatological blessing has already dawned, even if it's not yet consummated. Indeed, our own feeble efforts participate in the triumph of Christ and the work of his bequeathed spirit to call forth an innumerable host of new followers of the Savior and Master we are privileged to serve. This kingdom work, this evangelism is not really about us. It's not about our perceived inadequacies. It's not about our worries. It's not about our imperfections. It's not about us not doing it exactly right. It's about being obedient. It's about jumping into the fray. It's about simply doing what Jesus calls us to do. And what is that? It is to call forth new followers. As Philip Ryken puts it well, the God who saves is the God who sends. The God who saves is the God who sends. The God who saves us from the kingdom of darkness and transfers us to his kingdom of light is the God who commands us to go and make disciples. So we want you to think about being evangelistic in the new year. Like I said, I can't put that fire in your belly. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Well, we can do certain things as a church, and we intend to, which is talk about evangelism, pray about evangelism, encourage you, in your efforts at evangelism, share about evangelism. We'll do everything we can to keep this in front of you in this new year. And everything we can do as ministers to equip you 
to be evangelistic. Bobby's going to lead us in a prayer this morning, this evangelism initiative. Father, we come to you today, I pray, desiring in our hearts to be willing believers, ready to join our hearts together to share the gospel message for those in need of your salvation. We implore your help through the power of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, to see the fields around us that are ripe for harvesting. Help us to remember the words of Matthew as spoken by Jesus, it tells us the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. May we be willing to say in answer to your call of service, Lord, here am I, send me. To be willing laborers bringing in the harvest and the building of your kingdom. We know that our culture today is not open to the word of the Lord. So our prayer today and every day is for boldness to step out and to share the love of Jesus with those who bring you bring before us, to truly become the fishers of men. Fill us with the Holy Spirit, as you did with the disciples of old, that the words of Luke will reign alive in this place, as we are reminded that when we had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness. With those words, provide us an open door for opportunity to reach out for the lost. And Lord, may we speak with words of wisdom as your ambassadors. And may your arms of protection surround us as we step out in faith to answer your call as disciples of Jesus Christ. We ask this all in the name of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. The third ministry emphasis for 2020 may seem like a housekeeping item, and that is because it is housekeeping. Uh, housekeeping, this, this item falls into the um, category of infrastructure improvements, which is not very interesting to most of us, and it feels like something that ought to be on the bond question instead of before church. But the reality is that the proper care of our facility says something about God. And it says something about us. This summer, Lord willing, Mike's going to be, preach a short series on the book of Haggai. And in this book, we see how the Israelites are returning from their exile. They're coming home to rebuild the temple. But they got sidetracked in the process. And they got more uh, infatuated with building their own kingdoms and building their own wealth to the point that God chided them for for caring more about their portfolios than they did about his house. How can you live in paneled houses, God says, while mine is unfinished? And I'm not equating our church building to the temple in Jerusalem, but I am saying that the condition of the Lord's house, whether that's the temple, the church, or even our own bodies, is of concern to God. It matters to God. Hopefully it matters to us. I was thinking it was 12 years ago that I came here, and uh, it's been a wonderful 12 years. In those first 
few years, it was pretty quiet around here. I want to say I miss those days. <laughs> only because you know how I love quiet. But I don't because I love the busyness and the activity and I love the fact that, that this building is being used at all times, day, night, early morning, evening. There's a lot of activity going on here, but what happens with all that activity is over time a building takes, it takes a toll on a facility. And we don't worship the facility, but those of you who've been around with us know it's always our habit to move the focus and the funds year to year to where they're most needed. And we sort of decided that now's the time for us to patch and paint and clean up a little bit to work on things like storage. We don't have much storage, but what we have is jagged full and not particularly well organized all the time. We have improvements to make. We have a, a lovely steeple, but if you've looked at it recently, you see that the pigeons have uh, enjoyed it as well. And it makes it a little less lovely. So we need to take care of that. There are several things like that that we need to take care of this year, we think, which will make us just a more attractive facility a more comfortable place that, again, will remove barriers and detractions from worship, will help people to know how to get in the building, how to get around the building, and so that they'll be comfortable worshiping with us when they are here. Um, we think that these improvements fall into that category of hospitality. We are Mainers, <clears throat> most of us, so we know about good enough <laughs> or close enough. We get it three-quarters of the way done, close enough. If it's broken, but we know how to use it, good enough. That's not the standard that we want to set as a church, as the people of God, and certainly not for the people who are coming here to worship with us. Mike is going to pray now uh, for this aspect of our 2020 ministry initiative, facility improvements. Before we pray, Matthew 6, 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things are on to you. I can say from being part of the leadership in this church, in learning much over my 11 years here. The leadership of this church always, always seeks God first. As we have seen, the building us parking lot, 15-year mortgage paid off in 13 months. Seek God first. He'll add Lord our God, you might You might hold the world in your hand. You might 
be willing to depart that to each and every one of us that are seeking you first. Because it's yours. You have created it. And you own it. And you direct it and you guide it. You alone have established the work for our ready hands. All that you ask for us is to seek you and to keep you first in our lives. Be willing step out in faith. And you make this building, this place, may you make it a place to show those around us your glory. And for all the people that call this church home, may it be a house of prayer pleasing in your sight. We pray, Lord, that you hear us and that you direct us and that you guide us and that you show us exactly where we should be good stewards to what you have for your house. Lord, giver of life and source of our freedom, we are reminded that yours is the earth and its the world and those who dwell in it. We know that it is from your hand that we have received all that we have and that we will become. Gracious and loving God, we understand that you call us to be the stewards of your abundance, the caretakers of all you have entrusted to us. Help us always to use your gifts wisely Teach us to share them generously. May our faithful stewardship bear witness to the love of Christ in our lives. Pray this with grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before I leave the area of this pulpit, I want to thank God. It's been mentioned how he's helped some of you. God and I spend a lot of time together. A friend. He is my brother. Thank you for being my pastor. So I've been reading this book recently by a guy named Alan Fadling, and it's called uh, The Unhurried Leader. I wonder why I would read a book like that. <laughs> I'm almost through with it. In that book, he, he writes something I think most of us can relate to probably. He said, I sometimes think I have plans for God that God himself is not for. 
I sometimes think I have plans for God that God himself is not for. So it is with the required humility this morning that we present these plans for a new year, believing that they are God-derived, that they are for God, that God is for them. Each ministry emphasis will require your help. God's people doing God's work and must depend upon God's power and God's spirit in order to get it done. So I'm relying on you to do your part in this new year, to be led by God, to be dependent on Him. And I pray that for us as well. We remember Jesus' words from John 15. That apart from Him, we can do nothing. So it's not us. It's Him. It has been His good pleasure to bless us. We pray it will continue to be His good pleasure to bless us. And our goal is to give Him the glory. So I thank you for your patience this morning. We're only a half hour or so longer than normal. And there's food downstairs. I invite you to join us for the potluck luncheon. And if you didn't bring anything and you feel guilty about that, then I just say get over yourself and come down. <laughs> come down and enjoy some food and fellowship with us because really we're just going to eat until it's gone. And then we're <laughs> going to go home and take a nap and eat some more some football game or something on us. Our concluding hymn this morning, Be Thou My Vision, number 400.